right, welcome back to the Role Player Podcast. We back with another episode of the revamp series with Swiss Cultures and my man Anthony Goods on the host on the ones and twos with us. Uh, you know him already, but we'll do it again. University of Stanford alum and 11 year overseas vet and Swiss Culture CEO. Ant, what up? You good? Man, I'm good. I'm chilling, man. How you doing? I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. I heard you had kind of a rough week traveling and all that, so we glad to hear you good, man. Yeah, I caught a little bit of a stomach flu, but on the bright side, I can see my abs now. You know, I ain't been eating, so I see my abs now, so we good. We winning. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about, man. And as our guest, we got the one and only uh, Billy Barron. Billy is a eight year, eight year pro now, right, Billy? Eight year? Jeez. Nine years. Yeah, eight eight years. years. My goodness. Eight eight year pro, three Euro League, uh five right, four Euro League. Three, 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 three. Three Euro League, three Euro League, every other year, Euro Cup, well established, uh player of the year in your conference in college, uh all around crazy resume overseas, sharpshooter. If you don't know him, definitely go check out his highlights. We might have to include a include a clip to it, but well known to the overseas crowd, man, and and the American crowd as well. So we appreciate you joining us, man. Appreciate you boys for having me, man. Good, good, good. So we're going to jump right into it, man. Billy is, for those that don't know, Billy is playing for Zenit St. Petersburg in EuroLeague in Russia. Um, obviously, with everything going on, no, nobody's a stranger to, to the situation. But we're just trying to figure out off the jump, man, what's it like? What's it like, obviously, um, playing there right now? And, you know, we touched last week on, on the EuroLeague standings and how the EuroLeague has kind of obviously cut ties with the Russian teams. And, you know, they cut away from or they, they cut the games out right for um, for all the teams that played against them. So first of all, just kind of touch on what that has been like um, being cut from a league, you know, while you overseas is unprecedented. So, yeah, especially when you're kind of in the running to do something in that league. I mean, it'd be one Facts. thing if we were like in the like last place, they'd be doing us a favor. But I think this year with what we had going on. I mean, we definitely had a shot to get to the Final Four, I think. I mean, last year we were one game away, and I think this year we were, we were just kind of like a up a level as far as you know, our ability and our potential. So having everything just stop like that, I mean, we were about to play Barcelona, and all of a sudden we were going to play them like the next day, and then we got done with practice. We come to find out they're not going to come. And then everything kind of took off from there, and it just stopped like literally like just like, – it was kind of like COVID, just like that, boom. So it was, it was tough, man. Man, how does that how does that impact? I guess how how do you feel that impacts your career? Because obviously, you know you you play for a Final Four in Euroleague. Like that's I don't know how many Americans I don't know how many people, let alone Americans, really like get to do that in their career. So it's like, does that uh, what kind of feeling does that give you? I guess in terms of your career, what do you what's the goal for the rest of the season? I know you re up for next year, and we'll get to that. But I guess how I, just kind of walk us through your your my, your thought process with that. Yeah, man, being 31, I mean, I like I saw this as like a golden opportunity for me to do it. I thought last year I learned a lot, and I think I could have played better personally in the playoffs to get us to the Final Four, and I just didn't. So I kind of looked at that as a stepping stone. And then the way this year had gone, and us being fourth or fifth through it all, we like we were going through some injuries. Shabazz was about to come back. He was about to play his first game against Barcelona. So we were adding him into the mix. And, man, I tell you what, like in practice, I was like, we got a shot. And I'm not being biased. I was like, we got a shot to win the whole thing, especially when you get to the Final Four and it's just like one and done. I think we had the the offensive weapons, you know, with me, Jordan, with me, Jordan Lloyd, Shabazz, uh, Mickey, and Alex, and everyone, man. We had the offensive weapons, and we could play defense too. 
But to be, like you said, eight years overseas, which is, you know, it's like an eternity. And I, I felt like this was that chance that I wanted to capitalize and get into a Final Four and potentially winning the whole thing. I mean, for people back home who don't understand much of the European landscape, to win a Euroleague title, is, it, needs, it takes a lot of luck, man. It takes a whole lot of luck. And so to be kind of close, I wanted to seize the opportunity. And then for it to be taken away like that with everything going on, as a competitor, it's, it's super tough, man. Man, man, that's crazy. I know that's that's low key heartbreaking. I remember, uh, you know, just just playing in the Euroleague in general, and you know, getting back to to get a contract in the Euroleague is one thing, but then it gets to the point where you would, like you said, get close to the Final Four, and then you know, what I'm saying you have another chance at that, have it all stripped is kind of crazy. Um, and the, for those that don't know, the final, the Euroleague championship is more so like the NCAA tournament. Once you get to the Final Four, so a single elimination in the Final Four. So being able to get through that against some of the best teams in the world is crazy. And you had some. Yeah, now, now I was going to say, too, I mean, especially battling through such tough circumstances in regards to COVID, you know, I mean, a lot of players, you know, missing games and uh, and even, you know, having to reschedule games and the difficulties with that within the schedule. I feel like, you know, to overcome that, still have a great season and still be in, you know, in the running for, you know, a championship is a is an accomplishment within itself and then to just have it slip out of your hands, man. I mean, I can only imagine. And you guys know, I mean, you know, the pra- you know, the practices all year too. So like practices are as tough as games. So you're practicing the whole year. You're watching video. You got, let's say after bad games, you're watching bad film sessions. You're just going, you're putting all those hours of, in. That's all that sweat equity you're building up. And then, boom, for it to just be taken away, you're just like, damn. Like, I understand there's bigger things going on in the world, but if we're speaking strictly off basketball, it's just it's tough, man. I think about it all the time. I think about it every day. So so you and you, you Jordan, uh, Alex Poitras, right, um, Matus Ponica, and one other signed back, right? Who Me, the Jordans, Mickey somebody. and Lloyd, um, Alex Poitras, and Tyson Carter. And Tyson Carter all signed back for next year. What like what was the what was went into your decision with that? Knowing, I mean, probably not going to be Euroleague, right? Do you know? Do you guys have any decision on so that? No. Or do you know what's going on? So with that, that that's like the complicated part. I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen. Um, and I don't know if we're in the same boat as Cheska because they got the A license and they're a shareholder in the league. So I don't, I don't know where we all stand with that. Um, but yeah, I signed a two year deal before this this season here and. Eventually, when I went home, so I had I took my family home. I drove to Finland, and we flew to Florida, and I took them home. And I was home for like ten days, not knowing really what I'm gonna do. I mean, there's like a really a whole lot of uncertainty, and I don't know if, about you guys, but like <laughs> uncertainty gives me anxiety and stress. So I wasn't sleeping well. It was just man, I, I didn't know where where the next check was gonna come from. I mean, there was a lot of question marks out there, and then I didn't know about next year. Uh, I know my team has my rights. And FIBA really wasn't, you know, I was talking to my agent, FIBA at the time, right now, they're not really helping us out with, with much. Um, so I don't know if they're going to be EuroLeague and being 31, I want to play EuroLeague. Um, so I was able to negotiate, you know, that I will be a free agent after the season just to evaluate whether what's going to happen here with Zenit and what's going to happen in the landscape of the EuroLeague. So I was able to negotiate that after I come back and finish the season. And, and so I told my wife, I was like, I got I to gotta go, I got to go do this. So now I'm over here finishing the VTB. 
Um, and, and Zen was cool with that. I mean, I will say they were, you know, they allowed me to you know, renegotiate my release after the season just to see, just to, you know, take control of what I want to do. And that, you know, being 31 and at the prime of my career, I just really want to control my decision this summer. And that was the most important thing to me. And when they gave me that, I was like, yeah, I, I got to go back and finish the season. How involved was your how involved was your agent uh, with the negotiators? More of like a personal thing in this situation. Was your agent involved? Like, what was the what was that process? Like? He was he was involved, and he understood how different the situation was. And I was pretty adamant that I that I wanted to make my own decisions this this, this next summer, um, especially with having a family. And you know, I'm going to have another kid this summer, and you know, I'm going to be bringing two kids over this next season. And that just adds a whole different dynamic. You guys know when you're by yourself, it's one thing. But when you're with the family, it's just a whole different thing, man. So, um, yeah, so he was cool then. But I, I knew what I wanted to do, man. I, I knew really what I wanted to do. So um, when he told me we got that, and I know a couple of a couple of the other guys worked that out as well, it, it just kind of became like, um, yeah, it was about the money. You know, don't get me wrong. It was, it was about but it was, but it, was, it was the freedom, to be honest with you, man, as a basketball player. Um, I just wanted to, I want to continue playing early. That's love. That's love. Congratulations on baby number two, by the way. Appreciate it, bro. Um, Appreciate that's, it. That's love. That's love. Um, what about the, what about the ELPA? ELPA, have they been involved with you guys helping you out, even though you you're not in your league anymore with the situation? Are they helpful? Are they communicative? All that? They're helpful. Um, but kind of what I got through the whole situation is, you know, FIBA is kind of handling everything too. Um, there's only so much that Elpa can do, and, and but now they've been helpful. I've been talking to Boki Nakbar a whole lot, uh, and they've been they've been, su- they've been super helpful. And you know, anything we do need, we just communicate right to them. That's love. That's love. That's love. There's you know we go ahead. Ant. Yes. For sure. For sure, for sure. And like to just be kind of caught up in the middle of it and a month ago we're like getting ready to be like okay we're making a playoff push here and then we're going to go to the final four and then all of a sudden to be caught up where i got to make this decision it's just it's frustrating man as, as a basketball player it's just i'm watching the rest of the euro league they just continue playing and here we are we're not even in the standings it's like we even we don't even exist and i'm just like damn man like you know first covid and now this it's just like i did not I looked at my wife, and we, we, we talked to each other about we don't want to do time away from each other because we've done enough of that as it is. And then to just, like, leave her and my son for, like, you know, the two months that I'm over here or whatever it's going to be. I looked at her I was like, this wasn't in the plans. This was not in the cards to do this. But as a, as a, as a basketball player and, you know, as a, a provider for my family, it's like, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, this is what I busted my ass for my entire career. I've been to some – some some tough towns in my career. I played for some smaller clubs all to get to this point. You know what I mean? And, and to potentially have the control of my career taken away was just something I couldn't sleep. I was never going to sleep well. If I didn't come back and play and I was home from March, and yeah, it sounds nice. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, wow, I'm home in March. This is unbelievable. 
but I knew I wasn't going to sleep well and I wasn't going to be myself just because I was so damn stressed out. Right. It's, a, it's that feeling. It's only it's only nice being home in March when you know you're about to get, and you know everything's sorted out. You're about to get paid again and play where you want to play, right? So, right. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, yeah, that's tough. That's tough. I know I know it's probably tough watching, too, but we got we got to talk about it. You know, we see a lot of these Americans kind of uh, break or creating milestones or, or, or breaking, uh, creating EuroLeague milestones. Uh, Nick Kalathis, I know you know Nick, um, breaking the all-time assist record. I think Dunstan got the rebound. Yeah. What you, uh, blocks. 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 Kyle Hines got offensive rebounds. There we go. Kyle Hines yeah. got offensive rebounds. Dunstan blocks. Um, so, again, just to not, not to uh, beat a dead horse, but, you know, how cool is it to see for you to see Americans kind of breaking these milestones or breaking these records? And talk about how hard it is to, as an American, not only to get to the EuroLeague, but to play three seasons in the EuroLeague. Because, I mean, and talk about how many, there's a limited amount of spots for Americans, right? For sure. And it can be so fragile where, like, you could just get one opportunity. And I remember my first year in Red Star, I'm playing, we start off like two and seven. And I just could I can't throw the ball in the, in the freaking ocean, man. I'm like, damn, this is horrible. And I'm just like, if I continue with this, I'm out. I'm never getting back in. So, like, it's just like that. I mean, thankfully, I was able to hit some shots and stuff like that. I was able to stick. But, like, just like that, a team can also cut you as well. You guys know if you're on a one-year contract, teams can just get rid of you and be like, adios, we're going to bring in someone else. So, to stick in the EuroLeague is, I mean, it does mean a lot. And to see these guys hitting these milestones, I mean, Nick seems like he's been playing forever. Um, and same thing with Dunstan. Dunstan feels like he's been playing forever. Um, but to see these guys set these records, I know Mike's going to break some scoring records eventually, mm-hmm. um, Mike James. So, no, nah, man, to see these guys come over here because you're so out of your comfort zone as well. You're going across the world, and you're, it's the EuroLeague for a reason. And to see Americans doing well in the EuroLeague, it's, it's a really cool thing, man, because not, you're not just talking about on-the-court stuff as well. You're talking about, you know, where's your mental, where's your head off the court, and, and can you stick with it, and can you persevere? You guys know, I mean, a lot of sacrifices when you come over here. Being away from family, missing holidays, missing freaking weddings, missing birthday parties. I missed so many damn things. I lost track. Um, but to sacrifice all those things for your career and to know why you're doing it, support your family, a lot goes into it, man. Yeah. And, I, and I'll say, too, you know, having, uh, you know, just crept onto the retirement side of basketball, man. Like, once you step outside of basketball and you're in the real world, those accomplishments and those accolades are the things that you kind of, you know, hang your hat on at the end of the day, like the the important games you won, the titles, the the final fours, the, you know, okay, you made 500 threes in your career. These are the type of things that when they're brought to your attention, you could look back like, yo, this was, this was my stamp on this league. This was one of the many stamps, you know, within my, uh, within my career, man. And I think it's, uh, it's super dope to see uh, Americans get, getting the opportunity to, you know, put their own stamp on EuroLeague history, you know, over over the course of their careers, you know, because, I mean, it is so cutthroat. Like, you got a couple bad weeks, you know what I'm saying? You might start, you might well start folding See your clothes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pack that bag. I think, I, I think, I think it's dope to, uh, to see, especially considering that EuroLeague, I think the popularity of EuroLeague globally in the States as well is kind of uh, rising, I should say, just with Twitter and like my, my year in EuroLeague, I just thought it was so dope because that was kind of the first time I've been in Europe where, you know, people, you know, Swish is covering EuroLeague uh, across the water, b-ball, overseas, basketball, like a whole bunch of different pages, whatever um, outlets are covering uh, EuroLeague basketball. 
So just to see all these dudes doing that and kind of getting the love as basketball players uh, is pretty dope to me. I mean, yourself included, Billy, you know. And I think I've always said I thought it's I think it's harder to get to the EuroLeague and stick in the EuroLeague than it is to make it to the NBA, just purely based on numbers, maybe not on talent. Obviously, you know, the best players in the world, probably in the NBA, but just based on numbers alone, it might be harder just to get to the EuroLeague and stick there. So that, that's, a, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Appreciate it. No, you're, you're right about that, man. I had a, five years ago, I had like a two-way. When the two-way first came out, I had a two-way contract and I passed it up because I was like, I do want to get to the EuroLeague, you know what I mean? And the people who I told that I passed it up to the GM or the assistant GM, he was like, huh? To go where? And, and even then, they didn't really understand the, you know, how big the EuroLeague is. So, but I knew kind of like what I wanted to do. But to get to the EuroLeague, to crack to the EuroLeague, I had to go to Red Star and play well, win the Adriatic League. And I still wasn't even signed back. I had to play well in the, in the playoffs to just get signed back, just to get a crack at the EuroLeague, man. So, like, cracking it, is, it man, it's so tough. And you got to get, you got to get super lucky, to be honest with you. So your your brother Jimmy Jimmy Barron, who I played with, um, how much how much influence did he have on you making those type of decisions? Because um, you know he played Euro Euro League and Euro Cup. Um, so how much? Because when I I, I when, always tell people when I first got to Europe, I didn't know what the Euro League was. We played Fenerbahce, I think my second uh, exhibition game ever, and they was like, "Oh yeah, that's Fener." I was like, oh, "Okay." When we played them again, like, and we wasn't in anything. I was in Rome. So how much did Jimmy uh, help you with your career and kind of guide you, you know, based like from a knowledge standpoint and kind of point you in the right direction? I think it was just me following his games and following his league and seeing the guys that I knew where they were playing. And that kind of factored the guys that I knew and where they were playing, if they were good in college. I'm like, oh, that team seems pretty good. They got dumb. They got dumb. They got dumb. And then I learned more about, you know, that team. Are they winning usually and stuff like that? Um, and then I think one of his games, when he was in Locomotive, he played against Olympiacos, and I was watching, it was like a preseason game, and he was telling me all about this guy Spinulis. And I'm like, okay. He's like, I don't know, look, look him up, look him up. So I started looking him up, and that's when I, I, like, I fell in love with this game, man. And I was watching all the shots he was hitting in the Final Four, and the commentators going crazy, the fans going crazy. I was like, it really, like, it blew me away, because I was like, damn, like, that's sick. Like, like, yeah, okay, it's not in America. You grow up, every kid grows up, you want to play in the league, right? Because you want everyone to see you want everyone to see you in the league. I mean, that's what you work for. You want your friends to be like, oh, look at Billy, he's playing in the NBA, plays for you know, such and such. It's not, you know, it, it's tough when you're playing in, the, in Europe and, and all your friends who don't really know hoops, they don't really know who you're playing for unless it's like a big soccer club like Bayern Munich or Real Madrid. But to see Spanulas playing hooping against, I think it was against Real Madrid in the, in the Final Four, I want to say it was like 2013, and I watched that game and I watched his highlights, and I was just like, man, like I really, really fell in love with it, and it was kind of like, that Final Four was kind of like a college atmosphere, because Olympiacos, I want to say, was more of an underdog, and he hit like five threes in the second half, and I, that, that, it just like motivated me like crazy to realize, because I was going into my senior year in college, and I, it motivated me to realize that, you know, like, the NBA isn't the end-all be-all. And I understood my brother was also making some good money with Loco. So I was like, man, if you just take the right steps um, and you're going to have some unbelievable experiences. And I was like, I'm, you know, I'm me bringing my family over here. My kid, my son, who's two and a half, I mean, he's learning Russian as well. And he responds in Russian, which is wild. And I'm just like, that is just <laughs> nuts. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that, I'm going to look back on. But like, that's really cool because, it's, yeah, it's about hoops and you want to win stuff and stuff like that. But just all the experiences that we're going through is just you go back home and you start telling the stories and you're just like, this does. I'm listening to myself tell the stories and I'm looking at the person who I'm telling the reaction. I'm just like, this is pretty nuts, huh? 
that's I mean, I think that's like one of the most beautiful things about social media now is that you're able to see, you know, at the drop of a dime, you're able to see these atmospheres, these nice plays, these good games and all this other stuff. Whereas like, you know, I remember when I was in college and the older homie was overseas, like I'm getting a call from like a 20 digit phone number. And, you know, you know, I don't know. He's calling me from like Magic Jack or something. But that was the extent that I got to experience what he was experiencing overseas. You know what I mean? Whereas now we can go on YouTube, Instagram, and you can you can actually see the Red Star crowd or the Olympiacos fans going crazy. And you can kind of, you know, as a basketball player, it just kind of opens your mind up. Whereas I felt like, at least when I was coming out of college, like we knew a little bit about Europe, but, you know, everything was still very focused on NBA, you know, D-League, whatever it was. So, um, you know, I think it's dope, especially for you to have an older brother, uh, you know, that's able to kind of like, you know, show you the way like, yo, OK, this was my path and this is why it's dope. This is why it's cool. And this is why, you know, it can change your life in a different way. I think that's huge. And, you know, and even like, you know, the the little cultural things that you pick up for life in general, like, you know, your son knowing Russian and, and things like that and just all the memories you have in different countries. Like it's one thing to visit a country. It's a completely different thing to live there and, and really immerse yourself in the, uh, in the country, man. And I, I think those are some of the dopest things about hooping overseas. Yo, Ma- Magic Jack, you could get it generated a new number every time you call somebody, didn't it? Yeah, it was something weird. It was something <laughs> yeah, weird. I think I think I think I was so bored. My first year, I was prank calling people on Magic Jack, like just calling. <laughs> Yo, I was so damn bored, man. But nah, like I think I think what you said uh, about the end all be all, the NBA not being the end all be all. You know, the faster guys recognize that or realize that, especially fringe NBA guys with overseas guys, the faster guys recognize that, the faster they can get to where they want to be. Um, you know, mm-hmm. just because. Like you said, so many guys got get caught up. I think even now, and again, it's dope with all this social media stuff and the, the awareness growing. But, uh, you know, like you said, that off-the-court stuff and getting your mind in the right place is, I think, is really, and health, obviously, is really like 80% of the battle overseas. So I think that's dope that you was able to realize that at, I mean, shit, before you even got before you even got overseas. So that's, I think, I think yeah, that's, pretty, that's I, pretty special. I think it was after one of my pre-draft workouts, I went out to dinner with the assistant GM of Cleveland and he was talking to me about playing and he was running the G League team mm-hmm. and he was like he was telling me how I'd be a good fit for the G League and I never honestly put the G League in my thoughts like no offense to the league like it was just it was something I was never going to do and you know I, that's where I had a brother who was making solid money overseas so I understood that but he was telling me he's like hey man you're going to go over there and you're going to max out at you know 40, 50 grand blah 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 and I was like okay sure and uh, I still went my own way but I mean, the G is great for some people who end up making it, but you're right. The guys who kind of who are in the middle and they're like, do I do the G League? Do I not? And then they do the G League. You're missing out a year of, okay, yeah, you might not be breaking the bank that first year, but you're also like, all it takes is one good year and then you're off and running. And if you can get to one of these, you know, big time clubs, whether it's Euro Cup or Euro League, then you're making some serious bread. And now we're talking about life changing money. If you take the right steps with that money, then you may not have to work a real job for the rest of your life. But people don't understand that because they do think the NBA is the end-all, be-all because of everything they hear back in the States. Yeah, not, not, only, not only that, but, shoot, you're making yourself more attracted to the NBA teams or if you're even, at the very least, if you have some NBA interest, you got that money in the bank, you can make a decision a lot easier, get rid of some of that anxiety and stress that we was talking about. So, no, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's super dope. 
But either way, you know, we still got to talk about the NBA a little bit because I know you're a basketball head. I know the whole Baron family are basketball heads. So we're going to talk uh, about Iffy Lumberg and kind of that process um, of going that route of signing a two-way deal since, you, I mean, you had that opportunity. Iffy Lumberg just signed a two-way deal with the Suns. I say that right? Iffy, right? Is that right? Yeah. Ife. Yep. Ife. Ife. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I stay, right, I stay right, close, close enough, bro. This show, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I can't say nobody's name on this show. Ife Lumberg signed a two-way deal, so I don't know if you had heard that, but just talk about, again, reiterate, talk about some of the things. Uh, if you had chosen to go the two-way route, um, two-way route, what are some of the challenges with that and what makes it impressive for someone like that to, to kind of get on and what are some of the challenges to, to overcome in that situation to get to the to get to get the league? I think the two-way, depending on where you go, how serious does a team take you? You know what I mean? Do they utilize that two-way spot? Some teams, you really utilize it and you'll see guys being signed to full-year contracts, but then you'll see other guys who barely play and they never really get a shot. And you are tossing away that year where you could have built some equity overseas. Um, as far as if he goes, I mean, I'm, I'm super happy for him. I understand he was in a he was in a tough situation with Cheska, but to see him sign that deal with Phoenix, I think it's a great opportunity for him. Now it's just a matter of do they take what he did over here seriously, and do they think he can really, really play? Um, some teams are going to be stubborn. They're going to think, well, what happens in Europe doesn't really translate to the league. Now, in some cases, you might be right, but in some other cases, I mean, I think hopefully they give him that opportunity so he can prove them if they're right or if they're wrong. Um, but you know he's a big guard for sure. I mean, there was there was times where I was guarding him where he knows how to use his body, he knows how to use contact, he likes to get to a step back jumper, and he can shoot it and he can pass. So that's really what's going to help him in the league. Is he's a bigger guard. Um, now hopefully, you know now he's now it's going to be the reverse for him. He's going to be a European coming to the states, and you guys understand that coming from the states going to Europe, it's just a different thing. Sometimes you can be a little timid, a little tentative, just because you want to make people happy, and, and there's just a lot of stuff going on off the court that might not make you ready to play on the court, but, you know, hopefully he can, he can make that transition seamlessly and, you know, going to Phoenix. I mean, the weather is going to be nice compared to Moscow. So hopefully everything off the court should be straight. Um, but I, I'm hoping he gets that. I'm hoping he gets that opportunity. Um, just, you know, I, I understand what kind of, I kind of understand what he was going through. So hopefully, you know, he can make that move worth it. Definitely, 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 definitely. And then, you know, also with all the, with all the scoring in the league, Sadiq Bay dropped 51, right? What you think What you think has changed in the league uh, in terms of style of play? This is the ninth 50-point game, eighth 50-point game in March. I think it's the most since 1962. So what you think makes it easier? What you think is making it easier to score in the league now? Like, what's the difference in the style of play? I think there's less bad, sh- what's considered bad shots now than there was 10 years ago. Like, I'm looking at it. In let's just say 10 years ago, I think the average three-point attempts were like 18. Now it's just above 35. So guys are like, and if you hit a one or two, you know for sure everyone's going to act like Steph and is getting up that next one. I mean, everyone's in you know in heat check mode, it seems like. And, and it is up and down like crazy. I'm watching it, and I don't know if it's just a regular season or what, but it just seems like organized pickup. And guys are just coming down like straight, no, no pass, no nothing, one, two dribble, boom, shot. Like they're like the guy. Which is wild to me. I mean, good for him. I'm not taking anything away. 15 in the league, 15 in the league. That's unbelievable. But um, I just think there's less bad shots now, and there's so many, so many more people shooting threes. That doesn't necessarily make you a good shooter if you're shooting the threes. It's just what's happening nowadays. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think that uh, – I mean, now we're in a league where you don't have to be a shooter to shoot threes. You know what I mean? It's just like if you're decent enough or if you're streaky enough, you know what I mean, they're going to give you they're gonna give you that green light. And I think that, uh, you know, I was just watching uh, – I was actually watching uh, – I think the Pistons were playing the Hawks last night. And, I mean, in the beginning of the game, I mean, just the the pace and, you know, just everything was just so – like an organized pickup game. You know, first screen that comes, defender's getting under. You know what I mean? His legs aren't warm. He's not fighting over that thing. And, you know, and he lets the three go, which isn't necessarily a bad shot. You know, defender goes under, shoot the three, right? But um, I think within the first, like, two minutes, you know, both teams shot probably, like, you know, five or six three-pointers. And that's really where, you know, the game is headed now. So, Obviously, uh, with the influx of three-pointers, you know, going up, you got a guy like Sadiq Bey who can shoot the ball. I mean, these 50-point games are, are going to happen. And I think what Kyrie had 40-something, what was it, last night, um, whatever it was. But, I mean, I, just the way the, the pace, the amount of shots, uh, I think we're going to see a lot more months of 50-point uh, games, you know, as the game continues to progress. Are we, are we? First of all, you watching the game now, but are you ever, both of y'all, both of y'all can shoot the ball, but, you know, Billy, like, are you sick watching the NBA? Like, because this is, I mean, shoot, I'm, if you can, you ever, you ever watch it just be, like, tight, like, damn. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah, we grew bro. up on, we grew up on Derek Fishers of the world, you know what I'm saying? Them dudes was shooting corner threes when it was kicked out to him. Don't shoot that bitch unless it goes inside out. And so, bro. yeah, like, what, what you think, where you see yourself fitting in? Over 35 threes a game? Like, come on, man. And, all right, so my team here, my role has been the last two years come off the bench. But, like, come off the bench, you got to, like, coaches calling and play for me right away. And there's, like, a science to that, I learned. as And I've gotten better off as I've come off the bench. So I, I know I would if I was ever in the league, I'd come off the bench. But I look at a guy like me, and I'm like, I'm ready to come off the bench, and I'm ready to shoot instantly. And as a shooter, you guys know, you hit one or two, it's, it can turn into five or six. Doesn't matter who's there, as long as you got it going, man. But but absolutely, I mean, just seeing how how important the three point shot is now, and how it's just up and down, man. And you know, and all these teams are scoring so many points. And what I've heard is all oh, defense, defense, defense. Man, these guys are scoring 130, 140 a game. Who's playing defense? <laughs> no, I think I think the other thing too is like when you look at this era of basketball. It is the tweener era of basketball. Like back in the day, like we get labeled as tweeners. Like you're not quite tall enough for this position or, you know, whatever it may be. But like now <laughs> you have you have guys playing off the ball at 6'3", 6'4", you know what I mean? Whereas everybody wanted that 6'6", shooting guard back in the day. You know what I mean? You have these the bigs that are like 6'8", you know, the, the bruisers and whatnot that never really got a shot back in the day. And uh, I think that there's, especially in the NBA these days, I mean, just how the game has changed. There really is a place for tweeners, especially if you can shoot the ball. If you shoot the ball well enough, they're going to find a spot for you on the floor. Uh, I, I think it's crazy, too, with that tweener seeing dudes come from the Big Ten, seeing a dude like Draymond come in as a tweener, and it was like, dang, where is he going to fit? And he, oh, okay, like <laughs> ten, 10 fast forward, mm-hmm. 10 years, and it's like, Shoot, if you not like Draymond, you can't fit for real at that position. Right. So it's I mean, look it's, at Grant Williams. Grant Williams, yeah. same same body type, same thing. Not athletic, you know, undersized, but you know, got a level of toughness and can make decisions. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's dope the way the game has progressed in that sense for, for dudes like that. I think it's cool to see. But, who would yeah, who would you guys, if you could pick one, two, three players, who would you guys like to see get a shot from Europe, from China, wherever, who's not in the league? Who who is you, who would you think would succeed? Mm. I think would succeed. That's a good question. Um, great question. Great question. I would I'm say. Glad you going first too, because I'm gonna sit over here <laughs> and think about it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, nah, I'm just uh, I'm just running down the teams, man. Uh, I'll give you. I'll start off. I'll give you one. Name. I think I think uh, Clyburn deserves a shot, man. I mean, yeah. every time I played yeah. against this guy like over like 20 times since I've been in Russia. And every time this dude shoots the ball, whether it's a three, it's a two, it's a little fadeaway shot. He's like six, eight. It just seems like it's his cash. So I've always said, like, damn, like, how is – I've left games been like, how is he not in the league? And I think mm-hmm. with his size – and he can shoot the ball well. And you could probably switch him on pick and rolls and stuff like that. I think he'd be a guy who who, who I think could do well. You know, I got I got two. One of them's biased. Uh, I like David Lighty. You know, I've always thought that he should have coming out of college, got a shot at it. Um, he's one of those dudes who is kind of like a tweener. He's like a, really like a two, three, and now nowadays even a four can guard a lot. Of, could guard a lot of different positions. He old as hell now. I'm gonna tell him to man like 37 still playing. So he but he could guard a lot of different positions. He could shoot it. He could. Uh, he's really really versatile. And then I like I really like Jordan Lloyd. I like watching Jordan Lloyd play a lot. Um, he remind I don't know if he's as good right now, but he really gives me like that Jordan Poole type vibe in terms of the role that he would have to fit. Um, yeah, he can get so I, yeah, I always I really enjoy watching him uh, last year in Red Star when he was in Valencia when I was there. So th- those those would be my two. I'm thinking of uh, Mildo Lowe jumps at me. I think he's uh, I think as a point guard, man, I, I like his game. I think he uh, especially this year, I think he's been playing, you know, extremely well the way he's been shooting it and uh, and leading that team, man. I think he has, I mean, he plays both sides of the ball. I think he's he's definitely a player. I think could 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 make a could make a good run in the league. You know, especially with how spread out it is and, and things of that nature. I think he could be he could be solid over there. Definitely, we're gonna have to give you a, we're gonna have to give you a a, a role as a as a host, Billy. You keep coming with some questions. <laughs> with them questions, man. No, man, it's just it's interesting, bro. Because you guys probably know. I mean, there's. So many guys out there, I'm like, you know, would, would he work in the league? And then there's there's guys who have been, who I've seen, I can't name top names off the top of my head, but there's guys who have been, who have made that transition to the NBA, and it's worked for them, and they're still over there. Um, mm-hmm. So it just makes me curious to see um, who's, you know, what types of games do translate over there. Um, it's not always, I feel like it's not always on the player. I think as the public, they, they think it's always on the player as to why it didn't work. It's never... Oh, did the team mess up? Maybe, maybe the team didn't know what to do with that player. And you know what is, what kills me is some of these guys, like my, for instance, my teammate Kevin Pangos went over to leave, and I just don't think he was used the right way. And he can hoop. Don't get me wrong, he can hoop. He, okay, little undersized as an NBA point guard, but he can go, bro. And for a backup point guard, he can shoot the ball well. He can hit the right man. He knows what he's going to do. But it's like, is it on Kevin that he didn't work? First team All Euroleague, and, and all of a sudden he doesn't make it through the season with Cleveland. It's Kevin's fault. Come on, man. I mean, they always think, they always think it's on the player, bro. I just don't think he was given the right chance and the right opportunity. I mean, he didn't play for a while, and then all of a sudden he's starting there. He was starting three or four games in the league, 
I mean, to throw someone who's not playing at all, then to all of a sudden start NBA games, and then that's what you're going to base judge, judge his, his abilities off of is wild to me. Hey, hey, that that is that has that has always driven me nuts, especially in in media when you have more more so when you get like a a lottery pick because obviously those dudes get the most scrutiny or whatever. But it's like, oh, this dude was a bust. He couldn't play. He couldn't do this. So like, it's never like. Damn, the leadership of that organization was trash. Like they really led this man astray. Like they really just they they really ruined this man. They didn't give him the right opportunities. They didn't put him in a position to succeed. And I always think I guess Derek Williams is a guy that I always think of um, when that comes to when that comes to come to mind. Just because you know he got drafted to Minnesota, I think they had three or four foremen there when he was when he was there. So right. it's a uh, it's I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Anyway, moving on, yo. Uh, one last last NBA topics we just want to cover, man. We gotta talk. We gotta talk about Russ, uh, <laughs> him him getting killed by the media. It's sad for my man, Russ. That's one of my favorite players. I've tried. I've, I've defended him all year long. A couple of times, I've kind of jumped off the wagon. Um, but we just want to talk about. I guess piggybacking off that. How? What? What about Russ? Is is Russ? Is it his fault this year? Is it? Is it the Lakers' fault? Is it obviously it's never one person's fault, but I guess who has the most culpability in that situation? I mean, I think there's just the high expectations playing for the Lakers, putting those colors on. He's home. He's trying. He's trying to make the most of it. When I don't know if he's past his prime or whatnot, but I mean, I feel like I wish he got this opportunity three, four, five years ago when he was triple double Russ and his athleticism was still at a peak level. Um, but I think a lot of it coming from the fans, coming, everyone's chiming in on what he's doing. It's just, as someone, you, you know, when you're shooting, you can't hit a shot. You guys know, I mean, it's tough, bro. Sometimes you're trying to will it in. I mean, you think you're doing something, your routine's off, your mental's off. You try meditation, you try everything. It's just, you start thinking about it more and more and more. And I'm just not being over here. I don't have to go through a lot of that. And he's going through, he's going through that every hour of every day. People criticizing him, talking about, whether it's you know it might be some some of it might be his fault, but you know it doesn't help that everyone's chiming in saying calling him Westbrook and all this stuff. I mean, come on, man. And these are people, and a lot of these people who are saying it could you know couldn't throw the ball in the ocean from the boat, you know. So sucks that he's got to go through that, man. But I mean, they still got the playoffs, so you know they can make a run to redeem himself and make all that shit go away. You know, I think I think one thing that you know people forget is like you know playing with. Playing with LeBron, I think, is an adjustment for any star. You know what I mean? Because um, I mean, he's just that level of talent. Not even, not even just speaking about the media frenzy behind playing with LeBron. But I mean, we look at like Kevin Love and Chris Bosh. I mean, their first years playing with LeBron were rough as well. You know what I mean? And they were criticized and things of that nature. And like, even when you go back and you look at Russ's stats from, let's just say, this year and one of the. <clears throat> And one of the triple double years, the numbers aren't that much different. I mean, a triple double year, he was shooting 42 from the field. This year, he's shooting 43. You know, he's shooting 29 in one of the triple double years, 29 this year from three. You know what I mean? I, the, the numbers aren't that, that much different. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, it looks a lot different as far as like what we're seeing on ESPN or on the highlights and things of that nature. But production wise, I mean, Percentage-wise, at least, you know, from the basic statistics, he's pretty much the same Russell Westbrook that we've been seeing, you know, over the past however many years. Um, I, I just think that, I, like you said, being in L.A., 
and just that media storm, not being in a small market anymore. Um, and I almost feel like the media has been waiting for this year. They've been waiting for this moment, you know, because Russell's kind of he's kind of cold to the media for a while because he was that dude. I'm averaging a triple double like, you know, I could be Marshawn Lynch of the league. You know, what I mean, and and now they're 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 seizing this moment. Yeah, that's Pat Pat Bev said. Ain't no fun when the rabbit got the gun, man. <laughs> they killing his ass, man. <laughs> they killing his ass. Hey, I look feel bad point, for though, him man. sometimes. Yeah, but playing with LeBron has to be a transition. You're in the media every single day, and with how and looking at LeBron's numbers right now at his age, he's getting all the credit in the world. I mean, rightfully so. It's great to see someone that age putting up 30 a game, but. I mean, if you lose, it's it's like whose fault is it first? You know what I mean? And, and it's every day you're on, you know, get up or first take. I mean, they're skips talking about you every single day. Shannon's, you know, chiming in. I mean, the noise is crazy, and I could not, I would never want to be in that spot to be honest with you. Even though you're making crazy money, I mean, that's that's tough, man. Mentally, that's tough. Yeah, that's what that's what people always say. You give me a hundred million, forty million a year, and you can call me whatever you want. But it is. It is you don't know until you're in that position. But I'm with them people. Give me them forty million. You can call me whatever you want. That's cool. Come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> call me whatever you want. But uh, <laughs> but nah. Yeah, we go do the uh, go ahead do the um, rain check paycheck. Okay. Yeah, we got the paycheck rain check. This is a segment where you know we highlight somebody or a certain situation where. Somebody's paycheck may be taking a rain check. And, uh, man, this person, man, I, I really, you know, I feel bad for him. And it's not necessarily a rain check because he's still going to walk into a bag. But I always wonder how big of a bag it could have been had the season not been cut short uh, in regards to EuroLeague. And I'm talking about John Brown the third. Um, he was having a, a phenomenal season. You know, he set a EuroLeague record in steals with like a third of the season left to go. And then, um, you know, this unfortunate thing with the war happened. So, uh, you know, I just always wonder, like, you know, again, going back to milestones, accolades. And, you know, these are the type of things that your agent is going to use to to sell you, you know, for the next year. And like, yes, you can say that, you know, he set a yearly record in steals and especially as a big man, which is crazy within itself. But, you know, I, I always wonder okay, how many steals could he have gotten by the end of the EuroLeague season and what effect that would have had on his next paycheck? But, I mean, I guess we'll never know at this point. But, uh, yeah, man, it's just an unfortunate uh, circumstance for for him because he's having a phenomenal year. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that's why I talk about just getting on that playoff stage, too, and you never know what happens. You get to a Final Four and the way Unis is playing up and down, um, a lot of offensive weapons – they could have won the whole thing. If they're hitting shots, you saw what they were doing in Barcelona and how they beat Cheska early on in the season. I mean, they were killing them. And, yeah, Barcelona came back. What just goes to show when they're hitting shots, man, they are tough to beat. Uh, I still think he'll get a really nice paycheck. You, you know, he does have that record. Um, but it just it sucks just because it's that, it's that opportunity that you'll like. It's that what if, man. What would have what happened? And, you know, when you're playing well in May, a lot of these big teams make their signings in May and in June and you start, they start talking to you in April and your name's fresh, man. Now that our names aren't really out there right now. And a lot of it has to do with that. I mean, who's the hot name come end of May, early June is who they sometimes want, who they prefer. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. 
It cut off for a sec, but yeah, no doubt. Um, it I, I really I really don't even know what to say because that just that makes me sick for people. It's uh, I, it's the whole thing. Would you rather be lucky or would you rather be good? You know what I'm saying? And timing, timing is everything. Like we talked about earlier, you know, with these with these one year, two year deals, you don't really, you're not afforded those those down years. You're not afforded that second year where you could kind of just go offline and then come back in the contract year. So um, to have it, like you said earlier, Billy, to have the kind of your destiny or whatever taken out of your hands is is really a sick sick feeling so um you know like i like uh like you said though i think he'll i think he'll get paid either way we want to see that over here we're going to celebrate that when it happens so um yeah that's that's just an unfortunate and mark is going to be interesting man with all these free agents with you know let's say the let's say the russian teams don't play Euroleague next year i mean to see all the potential new free agents out there man it's going to be the market, me and my teammates talk about a lot. The market's going to be really interesting because you don't know who's going to step up to the yearly. There's so many uncertainties, and then there's only so many spots. You know, it's going to be it's going to be tough for it's going to be tough for some of those guys in the domestic leagues or the Euro Cups who are having their career year and they're expecting to make that move up to the Euro League and maybe this year, just because it's a crazy situation, it won't happen because I think a lot of Euro League teams do like to recycle the same names just because of the experience. Um, and, and they want to win now, basically. Right, 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 right. Man, we gonna send you off. Obviously, that's that's a bleak situation. Uh, you know, with the with the with the market right now. But hopefully, like you said, it'll be looking up, be interesting. But you know, overseas has a lot of trials and tribulations. So we want to hear about your favorite thing about overseas, man. You know, we hear all the horror stories. We see, hear all the bleak moments. So tell us about one of your favorite overseas memories or moments or just or or just what you love most about being overseas. Probably it's nice when okay, when you have a nice practice schedule, that's nice. If you're not doing if you're like not going like two a days, then that's nice. Like for over here, for instance, <clears throat> we'll practice at one o'clock usually. And being able to get to the gym, I'll get to the gym around eleven thirty, twelve, and I'm out of the gym by like three thirty-four. Um, and then I have the rest of my, you know, I have my morning with my family and then I got the rest of the, my day with my family. You can do whatever you want. So I think that's nice about it is when you do have a nice practice schedule. Cause I've been on other teams where it's like 11 to one and then, uh, six to eight and I'm coming home. My son's already asleep. I'm eating dinner at like nine 30. It's like by myself. It's like, wow. So I think when you have a nice practice schedule, you get into a nice flow and you're winning games. I think it's just a good overall feeling that you're moving the needle in your career and also you're getting like some solid time yourself if you're by yourself, but also, you know, with your family. Man, no doubt. That's uh, the little things, man. The little things matter. I think <laughs> being over here in Japan right now, it's starting to get warm outside. And just like you said, getting out of practice at like four o'clock and just being able to go outside. I'm by my damn self. I heard you guys, I heard you, I heard practice in Japan. It's cool. I heard nothing oh, pra- bad well, about practice in Japan. Yeah, yeah, practice in Japan is light, but you know, practice at uh, Alvark Tokyo is is solid. But we got a Serbian uh, coach, so you know how that goes. Um, but uh, overall, overall though, overall though, it's cool, man. The pra- you know, we in there most days. We'll be in there at two and, and out by out by four four thirty. So I can't complain because I've been in Europe. I know how it is. So it's mm-hmm. it's really light for real. So. Yeah, those those little things, like I said, those little things definitely definitely matter. You still got them young legs. You good? <laughs> Who got young legs? Who got young legs? <laughs> well, I got prosthetic legs, man. My joints. <laughs> Jordan, <laughs> so Jordan how many surgeries. how many years how many years you got left? Oh man, 
Shoot, I, I would like to do. I would like to do at least at least two, three more. Uh, you know, I've had so many injuries over the years where it's just uh, we'll see how that goes. But um, you know how it is. Situations matter once you get to this. For, for me, especially, situations matter. Uh, city matters more than ever. Obviously, that paycheck matters the most. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see. I say two, three. What about you? A lot of it's dependent on practice schedule. And my team have a cold tub. They got a game ready. They got Norma Tech because I need, you know, as you're getting older, you're fighting age. And if I'm if I'm starting to go through like pain and I gotta take like painkillers to play games, I'm I'm cutting it off immediately because I'm not I'm not doing that. So as long as my body feels good, I'm I'm gonna play. And if I can stick in the Euroleague, I think I have to check all those boxes and I'm gonna keep playing. I, listen, I've been I've been taking painkillers since 25. So, mm. <laughs> Your liver's working, huh? Man, man, man. There's, there's some years where I just cut it out, sucked it up, sucked it up. But uh, pause. But it's uh, you know, it's been it's it's been, it's been a grind. It's definitely been a grind. But yeah, we'll we'll see how many Japan Japan our our uh, facility here, man. We got like oxygen chambers. We got our own chef. We got like all like this is hands down the best facilities that I've had since I've been uh, overseas for sure. So it's it's been cool. It's been cool. They extend your career over here for sure. For sure. So, but yeah, man, we appreciate you hopping on with us, man. Definitely love, appreciate you joining us. We're going to keep following your story, um, obviously, through social media, through the internet, keep in touch with everything, and hopefully we'll get you back on one of these days, man. But we definitely appreciate you coming on, for real. I appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate you what, you, what you're doing for European basketball, man. Are you you're, you're getting a big following, bro. So it's shine a light on overseas hoops. I mean, that's, that's the thing that not a lot of people have seen before, man. So they think they think a lot of us college players, if you don't make the NBA, you're just trash, right? They forget, they forget, you know, how tough the basketball is over here and the levels and stuff like that. So, no, nah, man, I appreciate you guys doing what you're doing for the guys overseas who, you know, aren't getting the, the, the notoriety or the compliments like they used to, you know what I mean? So it's... Even, you know, a clip here and there, a highlight tape of, of someone honestly makes makes someone's day who might be going through it over here, man. So, seriously, appreciate you guys what you're doing, man. Hey, no doubt. No doubt. I had, a, I had a friend last summer. I was back at home, and he was like, we were sitting out at some little spot restaurant. He was like, he was young. He was like 24, and he was like, oh, yeah, y'all don't know Jordan Taylor? He oversees making 1.5. I said, <laughs> <"All right."> Sure. <laughs> yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Like, so, yeah, that shit, that shit definitely matters, man. Yeah, we'll definitely holler at you. It was fun. All right, man. Appreciate it.